1: Hey everyone, Matthew Bivens here, and before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about a free new tool that I've created to help you experience more abundance and love in your life. The tool is called the Abundance Benchmark, and you can get it again for free right now, right this second, at MatthewBivens.com. Now, the Abundance Benchmark is all about feedback. It's going to give you powerful insights into how you're showing up in six key areas of your life. Faith, family, friends, fitness, finance, and fun. Now here's the heavy part. Neglecting any one of those areas or doing the opposite and overextending yourself in any one of those areas leads to feelings of being incomplete, unfulfilled, overwhelmed, out of touch, and just a general feeling of lacking or depression. And none of those feelings jive with creating the life that you were meant to live. So grab the tool, use it. Again, it's 100% free and you will get some feedback on how you're showing up in life along with actionable advice, action steps on how you can improve your weak areas. So head over to my website. Again, that's www.matthewbivins.com and get your Abundance Benchmark today. Welcome to Having It All. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I bring you conversations and insights that explore the question, what does having it all mean to you? My goal is to leave you with stories you can relate to and messages you can take action on so that you can create an abundant, loving life. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today. Now, let's jump right into this episode. My guest today is one of those rare people who you could say is truly living out their dreams. His name is Mike Mills, and he's the founder and CEO of the Buffalo Outdoor Center, which is a lodging and outfitting resort that sits on the historic Buffalo River in Ponca, Arkansas. Now, back in the 70s, Mike and a group of buddies went for a canoeing trip. And he thought to himself, boy, wouldn't it be great to do this for a living? And that's exactly what he did. So we're gonna jump into my conversation with Mike. Right now he is telling us about his childhood and how he grew up. So let's go ahead and join him on the conversation.
0: I was born in Fort Knox, Kentucky. My parent my dad was in the army, so I was actually born on an army base, but they were from originally from Arkansas, Lowell, Arkansas to be exact, which is between Rogers and Springdale, so the northwest corner of Arkansas, which is now a huge metroplex of Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson's and all the support that goes through the vendors of Walmart and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, anyway, I was was pretty much raised in Lowell, Arkansas on a farm, um, growing chickens and pigs and cows and and uh, my dad was a business manager, and he worked in Rogers. And so as I became of age, 8, 9, 10, 12 years old, uh, I took over, because I was the oldest of four boys, I kind of took over the responsibilities on my on the farm. And, you know, I pulled my first calf when I was 12 years old. And, and so, you know, basically learned responsibility at a very young age. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts my father ever gave me was the gift of responsibility. Uh, I, I learned to paddle a canoe very early in life. We we didn't take very long vacations. Uh, once again, Dad was very busy, and then we had the farm. And, and uh, so we would take about a week every summer and go uh, camping. And and we would always camp beside a river where it was free. And we had a boat um, that we bought in 1958, and it was a Grumman sport canoe. And Dad liked to fish. I was the oldest of the boys, so I would get in the back and paddle, and Dad would fish. And Dad didn't want me beating the paddle on the side of the canoe, and Dad wanted to stop where he wanted to stop. And so I learned a lot of skills about paddling basically on my own uh, out of uh, respect and love for my dad. And um, that's basically how I started off loving Rivers. Um, I went to high school and college. Uh, halfway through college, I was in the first lottery, uh, draft lottery ever, and I had a very low number. So I uh, left college and enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, was gone for a couple of years, uh, came back and finished college with a biology degree. Um, I'll never forget my senior year. All of my friends, we were all canoeing down a river, the Big Piney River in Arkansas, and and we were having such a great time. And towards the end of the second day of the end of the trip, um, we all looked at each other and said, man, we ought to get out of college and do this for a living. Hmm. Uh, of the 10 people on the trip, one did, and that was me. <laughs> um, I went to graduate school, and I put myself through the first year of graduate school renting canoes and backpacking equipment and guiding trips out of my apartment uh, at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And then a small business in Ponca came up for sale I, of course, had no money whatsoever. I, I was a broke college kid with a degree, and uh, but the people who owned this uh, were pretty desperate to sell. They were tired of it. They He was retired military, and they had just uh, been here long enough and gotten bored and were ready to go on to do something else, and so they agreed to sell it to me um, without any financing for me. They were going to finance 100% and me pay them. Uh, And and so the day that I came over, it was May the 5th, the day that I came over and started training to learn how to run the business, a lawyer from Ashland, Mississippi, flew in, found out the place was for sale, and before he left, he wrote him a check for it. And, of course, that sort of busted my bubble of of owning a, a resort. Or, or, or an outfitter type business, but he needed somebody to run it. He wasn't going to run it. So he hired me. Hmm. And then almost two years uh, later, he tried to sell it to me for exactly twice what he had paid for. It, Cause I knew what he paid for it. And, um, uh, it was too much for me. Then he tried to lease it to me. That was too much for me. And he actually did the very best thing that's ever happened to me, uh, in business. And that is, uh, he uh, I, I, basically he fired me. I, I, I no longer worked there. So I went down the road uh, 200 yards and started my own business, which was Buffalo Outdoor Center. And that was in September, October of 1976. And, you know, I got a long letter from my father uh, back then, of course, there were no emails or anything like that. It was a letter. Uh, which I still have that told me I couldn't make it here that what a waste of talent and education. And, um, that I, my dream of making a living with a canoe and a frying pan and a fishing pole was just a dream I needed to come back to reality and get a paycheck every two weeks. And mm. that if I respected a woman, I couldn't ask her to move into the boondocks with me. And, um, it was three pages, two and a half pages long. Wow. And, uh, it took me about 15 years, but when I finally sent him my financial statement 15 years later, that was after I crossed over the million-dollar mark, and I put a note on the top of it and said, Dad, I think I made it. <laughs> and, and and to the day he died, he never acknowledged that.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but, um, you know, there was a lot of struggles. uh uh, the the next year, you know, I was only in the canoe rental business, and so it, it was only about a four-month-out-of-the-year season. Uh, so Christmas of 1977, I could not buy my wife a Christmas present because I didn't have $10. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we were doing whatever we could to make it, cutting firewood, helping people build uh, construction projects, uh, digging ditches, whatever I needed to do. But my heart was in the outdoors and and the whole reason for all this was to um so i could live and work in the outside on the buffalo river and my canoeing skills increased every year because when somebody wrapped a canoe around a tree you somebody had to go get it well there well, wasn't was anybody you. but me and so oh, over the years uh i i got better and better skilled in a canoe i paddled National Geographic photographers and Southern Living photographers and writers and television stations. I've paddled the IMAX camera. I've paddled three governors and um, senators. And, uh, you know, somehow uh, the media and the VIPs uh, end up finding me. Um, and so over many years, i developed a, a strong reputation as the... Business Buffalo Outdoor Center on the Buffalo River, and then uh, Mike Mills was the the the, the go to guy, and uh, um, so that's kind of in a nutshell how I got here. um
1: I love that. I mean, that's that is the type of I mean, that's the story of, you know, we said following that road less traveled and kind of doing it your own way. What was it like for you when you um, received that letter from your dad where he said, you know, the path that you're on is is um, not going to lead you to anything fruitful because, you know, it didn't sound like you really followed his advice to go back and get that typical job
0: it was actually probably the greatest uh, uh challenge of my life um was to beat that letter and and what you have to understand it wasn't the first time mm-hmm. uh when i joined the marine corps my dad gave me three sentences of advice and then when i went to re- recon school and and was uh i, I basically kind of had a, a, a not really a choice but I, I could have volunteered to go to Vietnam um and because of my recon school class and then um dad wrote me a letter saying hey better be a live marine than a dead marine and you're you've been assigned to Washington DC and you know he gave, he gave me advice of, of of staying out of combat and going to serve my country somewhere and doing another job and you know that was something that I did um and, and and plus you have to understand, my father was military. We were raised on a farm with very short hair, a uh, very disciplined. You know, front mm-hmm. second row of the church pew was four boys and their mom, and the boys never moved <laughs> because if they did, they were going to get uh, discipline. <laughs> and uh, and so we were we were raised very. Uh, once again, we were we were taught responsibility at a very early age. And, and so while my father was never one to say, I love you, his way of telling you that he loved you was to tell you what his advice was and what you were doing wrong. Uh, and that persisted throughout my whole life. And so when I, I got this letter, it wasn't really the first time. And, um, once again, it it was almost motivation. It, it, it you know, when I would, when things were really down, when, when I didn't have $10 to buy a Christmas present, I would read that letter
2: mm, wow. and,
0: and, um, um, I, I kept it hanging. I didn't really have an office, but I kept it hanging on the desk that I used uh, for, for years. Um, finally, I, I realized that, that, that I had no purpose for hanging the letter over my desk anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I took it down and put others up that meant more to me. And, um, but but once again, it was it was the challenge. It was a challenge. It was a it was almost you can't do this and be successful. And my uh, my willpower to do so. Um, you know, I, it's kind of interesting. I I uh, just finished the the movie movie Running Brave, which is about Billy Mills winning the 1964 Olympics, and everybody told him he couldn't do it. <laughs> and uh I'm I'm thinking, wow, that was me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even the last name is
0: the same. I, I mean, my banker, my accountant, everybody that I ever dealt with when I first got into business said, you know, are you really sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, wow. the, uh, the 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 first time I went to borrow money to buy canoes, it was a thousand dollars for ninety days, and back then they just wrote it on an envelope and then pulled out the check that was in the envelope and handed it to you. And, and and I, I I went in like three months ahead saying I am gonna to need to do this, went in a couple of weeks ahead saying I need to do this, went in the day I needed to get the money and they wouldn't loan it to me. Mm. And so then I had to drive from Harrison back to Rogers about an hour and a half drive to go to my hometown bank Walked in, got the thousand dollar note. And as I was walking out of the bank, the the banker said, "Well, what are you going to do with it?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm I'm paying for canoes, and the guys there right now waiting on it." And so I drove <laughs> back to Ponca and and literally got there just in time. I mean, unloaded I, I canoes and everything else, and I got there just in time to pay him. Uh, but my, my the the bank that I grew up with, you know, because of my father's teaching of responsibility and that kind of stuff Loan me the money. No problem. The, the bank I was dealing with in town told me they would, told me they would, told me they would, and then wouldn't. Mm. And, um, uh, so those are some of the things that happened. And, and then the, a little side note to that is the senior banker happened to come into my business a couple of weeks later and boy, I lit in on him. I said, how in the world do you, like a young man supposed to develop credit if you won't want him anything to start with and da da da, da. And Anyway, we got talking about military, and I said I'd been in the Marines and he was in the Army Reserve. Well, my father was the commanding officer of the Army Reserve unit in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's where this guy was going to the Army Reserve. And oh, so that's fascinating. I, when, and so when I said, "Do you know Colonel Mills?" He looked at me and and this look came over his face, and he said, "You're not George Mills' son." And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, anytime you need to borrow money, you come see me. And I said, if you know my, my father well, you know darn good and well, he would never cover for me. I'm I'm my own man. He said, I know your father well. You come see me if you need to borrow money. And, of course, I did. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so my credit went up real dramatically because of <laughs> who my father was. <laughs> wow.
1: What, what kept you, I mean, you know, so the one bank says yes, 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 and then when it comes time to pay up, they say no. You know, what was it that kind of kept you going? Because um, a lot of people would get discouraged at that point, especially doing something where they've already been told that, hey, this is not a great idea. But you just, you just persisted, you continued, you, you really wouldn't, weren't going to take no for an answer. Uh, what was it that kept you motivated?
0: Well, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, it, it was my um, dream job. It was it was my, uh, I, w- I was as rich as I could be when I was out there on that river, uh, whether it was just on the bank putting in canoes, on the bank picking up canoes, or actually paddling down the river. Um, I, I, it, it, there's <clears throat> when When people walk in my door, I always say, welcome to heaven. And it's not because I believe this is heaven, it's because I believe that there's a peacefulness attached to this river that must be very similar of when you hit the gates of heaven. Um it's it's just it's just a soul filling um uh, and it happens every time. Every time you're on the river it happens. And I, I, I just it was someplace that I wasn't going to say I, I'm, I, first of all, I, I guess a lot of things growing up in life on the farm, and and being in the Marine Corps, and and being in a college that I thought everybody there were smarter than me, and 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 and, and so overcoming obstacles was just sort of a part of me, and um, oh. I I I, uh, I I just worked. I, I was my own greatest competitor. You know, I never looked at the guy down the road as my competition. I never looked at uh, anybody in the same business as my competition. I always just wanted to do better for myself. Um, I, I wanted to be the best. Uh, I, I didn't want to just be a canoe operation. I wanted to be the best canoe operation. And, you know, over the years, that's that's been sort of my – I, I never – you know, money didn't really mean that to me. I wouldn't have come here to start with if I was trying to get rich. And, um, you know, after 43 years, well, the success has uh, not only been great personal-wise, but it's also now afforded me a a lifestyle that I never dreamed I'd have. Um, It it never was even a goal. I'm, I'm not a person that wears... A lot of jewelry, or needs to drive a fancy car, or anything else, but just things have happened where all of a sudden it's like, okay, uh, how do I spend this amount of money, and how do I write this off for taxes? And you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the problems have changed over to really good problems.
1: Yeah, the the ones that are that you don't <clears throat> mind having. Uh, so all of that success came. Um, you know There's a lot of a lot of reasons why you're successful, but um, going after what you were truly what you truly wanted your dream job and then wanting well, to be the best at
0: it. Anytime I get a chance to offer advice to young people, I always tell them, just follow your passion. Um, uh, if you pick out a passion, that's a way of life, you never work. Uh, it's always a joy and not that, you know, doing some of the things that I have done isn't work. It is, but I, I never considered, I mean, for example, uh, Eighty hour a week is just normal for me. It's, it's like anybody else at a factory job working forty hours. I work eighty. It's just what I do. Uh, I don't have weekends. The weekends are our busiest time, and and so uh, I've I, I literally lived a lifestyle in thirty forty years now where weekends didn't exist. Uh, it was just a part of how you worked your job, but it was a a a passion, a joy, uh you know, and not that you didn't get time off, you did. There are slow times of the year in a in a resort type business and so you learn to take advantage of those as far as time away. But uh when you're working and you're having to paddle down the river to go rescue a canoe <laughs> You know, it's it's like don't throw me into that briar patch. (laughs) Well, you're also it was heaven, heaven, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're
1: also working in a place that's uh, that you consider as peaceful as heaven, and so I can understand why you would want to put in those. Why 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 working that much wouldn't feel um, like work? You know, it's uh, you're out there doing what you what you really truly wanted to do, and I guess what you felt called to do your whole life.
0: Well, and, and you know the the part about it is you get to when, when you're in the canoe rental business you're teaching people you're you're connecting them with where they're at which is America's first national river the Buffalo National River but you're also teaching them how to work together as a team and how to not turn over in a canoe and how to find uh, the biggest waterfall in middle America and, and, and so you, you're constantly in a place where you're um, you're rewarded because you get to teach somebody, uh, a, a part of the joy of their life. And, and, uh, you're dealing with people who are happy. Mm. They're, they're, they're coming here for excitement and for vacation and for that soul filling up that river soul. And, and, and so it, uh, a, a great majority, 99.9% of the people who come here, uh, are here to have fun. Yeah. And so that work environment is very, very positive. It's very, uh, fulfilling. Uh, it, it's not a job that you dread.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on our, um, you know, like the American culture of just busyness and being active and, and rushing from one thing to another, especially in professions and careers, um, that we may or may not be very passionate about you know as somebody who is passionate very passionate about what you do um and where work doesn't feel like work you know what are your thoughts on sort of the other side of that coin
0: well i, I think i have two two thoughts there number one sometimes people um will do a, a career in order to fulfill another need that they that, that that career allows them to do. And I, I'm just going to pull out, uh, if you're a, uh, pilot and you love to fly, then working for an airline may not be your dream job, but you get to fly all the time. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and it may be the same thing if you're a banker and you love to fish, you work bankers hours. And so on your off time, you get to go fishing all the time, um, uh, instead of becoming a fishing guide. Um, so, so I really see, uh, uh, um, the fact that, you know, and, and then I think, I I think the other part is, is the person who is just miserable at their job, which makes them miserable at life. And I think that's the person that needs to change jobs.
1: Mm, okay. Which, I mean, uh, you know, personally I've, I've been there, I've been at that, that place where I just, um, did not like the job and it made, you know, made my outlook on a lot of things, um. It's just sort of tainted it.
0: Well, and sometimes it's. Did you learn from that? You know, if you didn't learn anything, then it wasn't worth anything. But if you learned that this was not for you, that you need to do something different, that you know, then then maybe that job was valuable for that educational experience.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. If you're able to take a look back and kind of pull from it and walk away from that experience with something, then it can be of value.
0: I mean, I, I got a degree in biology and then went into business. I didn't have any business courses. I didn't have accounting. I didn't have B-law. I didn't have anything that had to do with business. And so I went back to school and, and took some of those courses. But what I, what I found out was that the degree in biology from Hendricks College, which was a very highly academically rated school, taught me to do two things, study and to think. And, and 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 I always tell people I'm living proof that if you survive 4 years at Hendrix College you will succeed no matter what you do <laughs> and it's because the environment of this particular school made you think uh it made you it forced you to study to to make C's uh and and if you wanted to be a, a an a student, you had to really 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 apply yourself and so uh I was somewhere in between mm. but w- once again it it was not it was not a you know skip class uh, study a few hours before the exam and, and make good grade school uh that did not happen there
2: yeah yeah I mean, it, you said you had but to study. It really
0: taught you, really taught you how to think, and and then is through the course of life that had tremendous implications.
1: Being able to think for yourself, knowing how to study, do research, things like that.
0: Well, I mean, and then with the advent of the Internet where you have the ability to just literally sit down and and, uh, type in anything that you want to know about and then study it a little bit, um, I'm the type of person that Almost no matter what I do, if it's new, I'm gonna learn about it first, and uh, I'm gonna learn everything I can. Um, hmm.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking about um, you said you went on a trip after college with ten people, you being one of them, and you know you all expressed this this thought of, "Wow, wouldn't it be great if we made a living on the river?" And you were the only one who did that the other nine people, did they go off to pursue their dream or did they go off to sort of do what the, what's traditional in America, you know, get the advanced degree, get a nice career, buy a home, start a family. Like what were their paths like if that you remember? Um,
0: I, I think a a couple of them probably, uh, launched towards what they would have called a, a passion or whatever. Um, I do know that uh, several of them went into ventures that were probably ended up just working a job and then changed jobs and then changed jobs again. And, uh, one became a doctor and, uh, then he didn't really like being a doctor. And, yeah. uh, I, and so then he went into emergency room and that kind of stuff. So we only had to work three days a week. And, um, and, and, and I've, I haven't lost track with all of them, but I've lost track with uh, a majority of them. And, and, uh, all of them were successful in life. Uh, if you look at careers and families and homes and that kind of stuff. Um, and so was I, I just got to live and work in the outdoors on the Buffalo river, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, um, uh, I, I got to do what, so I, I have, hundreds of people thousands of people tell me that they wish they did what i do
2: mm, i imagine and,
0: and and over years and years and years and you know and and i always ask them why don't you
1: mm. <laughs> what do, what do they say to that that question
0: I, most of uh, the time there's not an answer yeah. uh, it, you know i mean it, 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 they 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 don't have an answer uh, they, they're doing what they're doing. They're too far into it to do something different. And plus, the opportunities to do what I do are, I would tell you, fairly limited. I mean, um, not to work and live in the outdoors. Those opportunities are there everywhere. It's just harder if you have a family and kids and responsibilities, and you have to have a certain income to provide for all that and um, to, to start off. A fresh,
1: uh, yeah, and that you know that that that's a a question that really a lot of this podcast is based off of um this idea of the success with the big s, and to me that's you know the feeling of fulfillment and joy and peace um by you know pursuing the things that are really significant to you, and then success with the little s which is the you know the degrees and the job titles and the accolades and the cars and things like that and you know, it's it's um, it just makes me think about you know you pose that question to people, they say, oh, I wish I could do what you're doing, and you and you ask them, well, why aren't you? And you know, I'm just curious, why do you think more people aren't going after? It's probably an obvious question, but I am I am curious um, why they're not kind of pursuing those things that really light them up.
0: Um, I, I think. I think our society has sort of groomed us as a materialistic society. We have certain levels of financial success and expectations of living in a big house in a suburb and driving nice cars and having fancy suits and phones and jewelry and all, all that kind of stuff. Is Generally, when you look at the United States, we are a materialistic society. And if you want to counter that, go to almost any uh, South American c- uh, country, uh, even Mexico, just to our south, where relationships are far more valuable than material things. Uh, you would never throw somebody, if, if somebody wants you to hand them something in Mexico, you would never throw it to them. It's mm. it's a sign of disrespect. You would take the time to go hand it to them, and whereas we don't have that type of culture we we have we, you know I have I rent cabins as a part of the resort here and I have hundreds of times a year people say man I want to buy 20 acres and build a cabin like yours why would you want to do that why would you want to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars when spending you know a thousand dollars will rent you one for three or four days and, and you never have to do anything it's perfect when you open the door you don't have to worry about plumbing you don't have to worry about freezing you don't have to worry about pests, rodents, vandalism, insurance, all the things that you have to worry about in property ownership when you can just rent and and never spend two hundred thousand dollars
2: mm, <laughs> and
0: so and 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 so once again we we our society is a materialistic society, and it's just the way our society is
1: and what is what has your experience been with um placing the emphasis on relationships over things in your personal life?
0: Well, I I, I think so. Uh, I I mean, certainly the joy I've had in operating my business, uh, I I think, reflects on me personally, and I think it reflects on the inner and outer part of me. Um, You know, my kids uh, uh, went off to college. I have two girls. They went off to college, got married, both of them moved back to, Honka.
2: Um,
0: and, and to me, that says a whole lot of, of the values that were given them. Um, and you know, um, and sure, um, my oldest daughter with three grandkids has now moved to California, um, because the, her husband wanted to pursue a career that took him there. Um, my youngest daughter, her husband is now running my business. And so they're here. Um, but once again, I, I, I just think that, uh, um, uh, I think people, I don't know how to say it. Uh, you know, um, I have a poem on my desk and you'll, you'll recognize it immediately. It's the road not taken by Robert
1: Frost. Mm, yes. Yes.
0: And, and, and I, I think that, People in their early lives all make choices. And I, I think it's so much easier to follow, uh, the, the, the trodden road, the, the one less taken by is, is, is an entrepreneur is, is people who do what they've been told they can't do. And, and I, it took me a long time to understand that I was an entrepreneur, um, I didn't really see myself as that, um, but but it, it it probably is true that there are, are are when you when you find the number of people when you look at people who started outfitting businesses and there are hundreds of them, uh, but they're all about my age and and they're all looking for how do I uh, pass this on to my family how do I sell this business how do I you know what's my exit strategy and we're we those people are much fewer than bankers.
2: <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
0: And I'm not picking on bankers, but I'm just using that as an example. The, the the number of entrepreneurs in the world are are far outnumbered by people in normal jobs. Yeah,
1: that's very true. I mean, uh that that poem um absolutely I think personifies the entrepreneur taking that road less traveled. Um and it doesn't surprise me that there there are more people in those traditional roles than, than folks who are going out on a limb for their entrepreneurial dreams? Cause I think, um, you know, it's, it's a risk, you know, it takes courage. It takes just being able to to jump into something and not knowing where it's, where it's going to end up.
0: Well, it takes perseverance. You have to, uh, continue to, uh, sometimes reinvent yourself, sometimes, Uh, change the direction that you're actually going as a business, uh, all those kind of things. Um, And that's the key to success is uh, in in some ways uh, having a vision, in some ways listening to the people that you are serving uh, to understand what it is they need that you can provide better. And and I think that would be true in many, many um, uh, vocational fronts.
1: Absolutely, and I'm I'm guessing your business and your vision for it may have evolved slightly as you started hearing different things that your customers were wanting and 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 looking for.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, when I first started, like I said, I was I was loading and unloading canoes and putting paddling down the river to rescue things and guiding people down the river. So therefore, I really became the cook uh, and the planner of, of meals and that kind of stuff and. And, uh, and I, I didn't see myself in the lodging business at that point. And then at at a a later, a little bit later on in, in, as things evolved, I, I began to say, well, you know, I, if I was on vacation in Colorado, I'd like to rent a log cabin with a fireplace and a kitchen and a front porch with a charcoal grill and a big swing. And, and so I started building those. Well, evidently I wasn't the only one that saw that as a, nice place to have a vacation. And so the lodging part of our resort, uh, took over many years ago as the primary, uh, income producer. Uh, and plus it was year round horse canoe season was four months. And so, and, and so months like October and, um, uh, September, October, November became very important because people were out traveling, looking at fall color and the Ozarks and and cabins were just where they want to go. And then you have people on vacations, even in Christmas, New Year's, that kind of stuff. Then you have anniversaries and birthdays and weddings and honeymoons and all the kind of things that people don't, they're not going to stay home for those things. They want to go somewhere. And a certain percentage of them want to go into the outdoors or into the, what they perceive as a, a outdoor setting. And uh, and we provide that. And so so as we diversified, um, business got better and better. And then all of a sudden it's "Okay, well, what can we find that's really fun in the outdoors? And we did horseback riding and we did horseback riding for 15 years and we lost money 15 years in a row horseback riding. And so finally, I just said, you know, don't have to do that. And so I went to the Zipline Canopy Tour and that has become not, it's not a, it's not as much a fad as the bungee jump was, but it's much more educational in the fact that you're actually flying through the tops of trees and you, and and you're up there long enough with guides long enough that they get a chance to interpret things for you. Hmm. And so it, it became not only fun, but educational and, and it fits in with what we do very, very well. And we're always looking for the next, what's the next um but anyway, those type of diversifications have just increased the uh, uh solidness, the the uh longevity of our business.
1: Ah, oh, so yeah, your business has definitely evolved over the years. And I'm curious, uh what what have been some of the fears that you've had um or those those uh beliefs that you've had about yourself that you've had to confront and sort of face? throughout your journey of, you know, diving into entrepreneurship, growing your business, going through those things that you've gone through?
0: You know, early on, it was always a financial way. If if I had the money to do this, if I had the money to do that, if I had the money, I could do this. And, and, and so, uh, on, on at least three or four separate years during that period, I, I either looked for partners or tried to do an LLC or, uh looked at going public uh and and just you know all kinds of things all looking for um financial support and none of those ever happened and so you you found out that you know you just you you learned to sometimes manipulate financing and and do the things that you had to do until all of a sudden uh that was no longer a problem. That The income was greater than the financial uh, responsibility and and, and and the needle almost flips 180 degrees. You go from not needing tax write-off and needing income to needing tax write-off and having income where you have to worry about uh, paying high taxes and that kind of thing. Mm. And so, um, it, 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 you you go through that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I think any entrepreneur does.
1: What have you learned about yourself? Like, what what have you learned about you know your who you are as a person?
0: Um, well, I, I think uh, once again, that's that's when I recognized that it, it wasn't a matter of uh, was I going to make it uh, because I was determined to make it. I I, I learned that I had. Um, the mental capacity to just hang in there to persevere to continue, no matter what it took, I was gonna make it happen um and, and once again, I look back to my days growing up in 4-H and FFA and living on the farm and and the struggles of when it's February and you have to go break the ice and feed the hay and, and you don't want to be out there, but you got to be out there. It's your responsibility. Yeah. And, and, and then the same thing in the Marine Corps, uh, learning even though I never went to combat, it, it was still the training to go there. Um, and And the mental attitude of... You know, I'm going to survive. I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then, and then the same thing, even in college, where you know, uh, when I when I first went to Hendrix, I felt I felt inferior to most of the other students there because this was a very smart college. Uh, a lot of the kids there were very wealthy. Um, my my first roommate in college, on the very first day we moved in, his dad came walking in and flipped him the keys to a Corvette. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I had I had, I didn't have a car, oh, man. and and I and I I, I couldn't fathom how that happened. Mm. Uh, I just never had seen that type of of uh, I, I'd never seen that before. Yeah, and and so um, you know all of those experiences I think mount up to um, teaching an individual how to where where his true character is and. And uh, I found mine on the Buffalo River, and I just was determined to never let go.
1: Mm, I love that. That's very cool. Um, I have one more question for you, Mike. And um, this gets back to the title of the show. And it's something that um, I ask everybody this question. And uh, what does it mean for you to have it all in life?
0: Oh, well, I think it's a very personal piece. Um, you know, I, I, I live and work in a place where I thank God every day for letting me and, and, and it's just one of those things where, um, I can't seem, I, 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 if I retire, I'm not going anywhere. If I, if I take a day off, I'd go down the Buffalo river. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so it's, it's a scenario for me where, um, I've had it all for many, many years and I've recognized that, I, I I've tried to pass that on to others and, uh, I've tried to encourage others. I've tried to help others. Um, and, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's just one of those things for me where, um, I, I tell my kids and my wife that, uh, if I die tomorrow, just recognize that I had one of the greatest lives, uh, of, of anyone in middle America. Hmm. I got to live and work here.
1: Mm. That's powerful. That's wonderful. Well, um, I've been taking notes, and I like to do that with with these conversations. And um, there's a lot of things I wrote down because a lot of what you you said really resonated with me. And I'm excited to publish this conversation um, because I think your story and your insights um, will resonate and obviously they have. I mean, Bill was telling me that you've been interviewed so many times and people have sought you out as a guide and, and, uh, to, to, for you to show them the river and share your stories and, um, so they can kind of tap into your insight. So I really appreciate you, Mike. I really do.
0: Well, no problem. I, I, I shared stories with you that I don't normally share because you're asking different, a different, you know, they always want to know about the river and uh, meeting Granny Henderson and things like that, you know, and, and, uh, uh, but, but this was fun and, uh, uh, you guys are onto something. I mean, you, you're, you're, you know, um, deep delving into personal, you've already figured it out. It's the personal stories that you're going to get the, the intimate, not so well-known stories that will make this program, uh, that you're doing a success.
1: Wow. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. You know, for me,
0: I I,
1: I think they're the most interesting. You know, like there's a lot of entrepreneurial success stories out there. And you can read. There's a lot of
0: failures, too.
1: There's a lot of failures, too. And, and you know, they're interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to learn about both. But I really am, am interested in learning about the people behind them. And I'm even more so interested in learning about what those people are made up of. Because I think that the things that you went through in your life, others can relate, you know, being at that choosing, choosing, for example, to pursue your passion versus going another direction. Other people can relate to that, whether or not they ended up choosing their passion or not. Yeah. You know, and and they can they can envision themselves in your position and can think themselves, man, what would it look like if I actually went for my biggest dreams? And you know, this show is about, it's about looking at the gap between where you are in life now and where your ideal life is and seeing how wide is that gap and, or how small is that gap? And what does it look like to cross that gap? And I'm just, I'm passionate about having those conversations and hearing those stories because they're just, I don't know, they're they're human experience stories. And I think I think everyone can pull something from them.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, You know, like I said, you need to get a copy of Robert Frost's "Road Not Taken" and put it on your desk. Yeah, and I I I I know it by heart. Um, It's it's just it's it's an it's an awesome um, road to take.
1: It is. It is, and um, my wife and I are have recently, we've, we've been entrepreneurial and we've been doing things on the side, um, from our normal jobs for a while, but we recently jumped full, you know, full into entrepreneurship and have really been pursuing our passions. And that came shortly after we discovered we were pregnant. So it's this, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's this, uh, perfect timing, you know, for, yeah. Yeah. for jumping into it. And well,
0: uh, you know, I, I mean, and, and, and it's like I said, in my early days, I had to do a lot of things that weren't necessarily what I really wanted to do, mm-hmm. uh, to make ends meet. I mean, you know, just to, just to get $25 yeah, go cut two ricks of firewood, you know, or whatever. And, uh, you know, things like that. And, 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 uh, you know, I always tell people that, uh, I'm passionate about what I do, and therefore I've never worked. But uh, that doesn't include the time I had to crawl underneath a cabin to fix the sewer land, line uh, on yeah. eight o'clock on Christmas Eve. Yep. You know, uh, it, it doesn't include the time <laughs> that uh, that I had to go pull uh, people out of a tree on the on the river, risking my own life doing so. Now um, I didn't think it was risking my life, but but when you look back at it, it probably was, you know? And so anyway, those are the type of things that once again,
2: uh,
0: you'll, you will find your own obstacles in being an entrepreneur, but you just do whatever it takes to get around them, over them, under them, you know, to, to put them behind you. And, and then, uh, uh, then you keep doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and also like, you made me think of the work that we do that's part of the job, but it's not the glamorous part, you know, it's, no. it, but it's the necessary part. And, and I, I personally think that knowing what I'm playing for, knowing that big thing, the big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, it, it allows me to, to flow through those, the work that I'm not, you know, super excited about.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, there've been a lot of things that, uh, that I've done in my life that, uh, including holding the shovel <laughs> hours and hours and hours and hours that <laughs> aren't really jobs that you want to brag about. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but it comes with it. it. comes with it. Wow. So, um, again, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really grateful to Bill. Um, Bill's an amazing guy. I love him. and Yeah. No,
0: Hey, Bill's got a great sense about him. He and does. Uh, uh, that's what's made him a special guy and a friend of ours. And, um, so, yeah, you know, when Bill says you need to talk to this guy, I'm, I'm going to talk, you know.
1: <laughs> I felt the same exact way. And um, I'm very honored that, that you carved out some time. Um, that means a lot yeah, to me. No, it really
0: does. No problem. Uh, I hope it goes well for you.
1: Two quick things before you leave. First, did you know that the Having It All podcast is a part of the Fireside Network? Yep. We are one of the esteemed shows that calls Fireside Network home. That means if you ever want to listen to a show outside of iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcasting app is, all you need to do is visit firesidenetwork.com and under shows, select having it all. From there, you can access all the episodes, see the show notes, learn about my guests and more. Second, I am very excited to announce that my brand new website is live visit MatthewBivens.com and you can learn more about me, get plugged into an accountability group, and pick up some free content like the Abundance Benchmark. I am all about helping you not only identify what your ideal life looks like, but also helping you on your journey towards it. I want you to experience more abundance and love in your life. So again, You can find out more information about all of that great stuff at MatthewBivens.com. Thank you once more for listening to the show. And here is to you having it all.
0: Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done